0: Welcome to Emron's Podcast, episode number 10. This is your host, Suman Silva.
1: Consistency is is one of the biggest and best pieces of advice I would give that applies to both newcomers and veteran runners. Visit
0: Emron's.com for discount codes, photos, and more. I'd like to welcome Prince Wadley to Emron's Podcast uh, today. Prince, how are you doing today?
1: I'm feeling pretty good. How about you, Suman?
0: I'm doing great. Have you got any running done today?
1: I I don't, uh, I hadn't run much at all in the last uh, year my, with my knee issues, I, I, but I went on a bike ride, about a 19 mile bike ride this morning.
0: Let's talk about your running journey. How did you start running? How long have you been running?
1: It was back uh, about 2000. I was living in Memphis and I'd done a little running off and on and weightlifting, but hadn't really gotten into races or distance running. And I got an opportunity to go on a snow skiing trip. And uh, my motivation to try to, to get in shape for that, because I knew I couldn't learn how to ski in Memphis, was to just uh, start running more. And I got up, I worked up to, I think, like nine and a half miles. I was trying to get up to 10. And the knee problems I'd had since high school and college with knee surgeries kind of bugged me and I had to back off. Um, and then in later in 2000, I moved to Peachtree City, Georgia. Got just caught up with the wrong crowd, I guess, and ended up doing uh, marathons and ultras while I was living there. And then when I moved uh, back here to Birmingham, just uh, kept it up, and yeah, so that was kind of how I got started.
0: So were you a runner before?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I grew up playing soccer, and I did just enough running, you know, like in preseason to try to get in shape, which meant like you know three three mile runs a few times a week for a couple of weeks before soccer started but then once soccer started I only ran you know if they made us run laps around the field or something
0: nothing like uh, what you what you have done so far
1: no uh-uh, not at all No, that 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 really got started in about 2000 uh when I moved to
0: Peachtree City uh how did it feel to run going a distance
1: it uh i guess initially it's like a lot of people it wasn't any fun you know and and it hurt and i was doing it uh as a challenge but uh, when I trained for my first marathon, which was the first Mercedes, I, I distinctly remember about, seemed like about the third time I ran 10 miles or more, something clicked. And I guess I was getting that runner's high or something, but I really started enjoying, uh,
0: you know, running long uh, at, at that point. Was there any point during that time you want to give up and just this, this think that it's not your sports?
1: Well, you know, I... I I suffered for years, uh, early on with knee pain from the, um, the soccer, uh, injuries that I'd had resulting in three knee operations back like now 25 plus years ago. But over a period of about four or five years there, it, it, I, I was able to adapt to it and, and got to where just, you know, gradually I was able to run every day. So I think sometimes when I was at, you know, I get, uh, you know, have to cut back because of knee pain. I felt that way, but no, I'd say for the most part, the only times I wanted to give up was like right after a race.
0: <laughs> and, and then about 15 minutes later, you know, going to sign up in the next race, correct?
1: Yeah. Yeah. When I did my first Boston, I think that was like, Oh four. I remember I hated that so much. It was one of those really hot years. And I just, I I said, that's it. I quit running and I didn't run for a whole week. And it had been probably three or four years that I'd not, since I had not run for a whole week. Uh, But I remember I was traveling with a friend and he was like, oh, you're going to, you're, you'll bounce back. You're going to want to run again. I was like, no, I quit. And after about a week, I started thinking about it again. But (laughs) yeah, that one time it was, and it was just brutal, you know?
0: Yeah. You, you have, you have run many marathons and ultra marathons. Yeah, can you can you ta- talk about how how many marathons and ultra marathons and you have done, and what is your fastest time like? Yeah,
1: um, so I uh, count marathons and ultras together. I've run ninety, uh, and the last uh, this past February's Mercedes Marathon was my last one, and, and one of my slower ones as well, I might add. Uh, and I've I've, I've since uh, mostly quit running, although I think I'm going to run walk Mercedes Marathon every year. Just to keep up the streak, I've done every Mercedes. Uh, but um, let's see, ninety marathons. I've done seven hundred mile races. Uh, my marathon PR is two fifty seven, and I've run five sub three hour marathons. So those are my those are the stats I'm proud of. And uh, and an Ironman. I did uh, Ironman Chattanooga last September.
0: So you you dived into the Ironman stuff as well.
1: Yeah, it was one of those things that was just something I wanted to check off the list. I've never really had a strong desire to to do triathlons, but I I wanted to check it off the list. And the training of it, although I don't think the training caused the knee problems I had, I think it just coincided with my knees finally just uh, gave out from uh, all the chipping away on the cartilage I've been doing the last 15 years. Uh, running on knees that had you know had cartilage cut away and were compromised already, so I just uh, used them up, I guess.
0: So out out of all this, uh, what, which one is your favorite?
1: Well, I, I I got about three different answers for that. Um, uh, the Mercedes Marathon is uh, is one of my favorites because it's my hometown and I always love it, and I've done every one of them. Uh, Houston Marathon is a favorite because it was my first sub three. And that was just, although it was one of the most painful runs I ever did, uh, I ran it in 259.59 and just, you know, obviously just barely missed the cut and I was sprinting the finish just to make it. But that that made it a lot of fun. And I, But I'd say Chicago Marathon is probably also one of the tops as well. It's hard to get away from saying that's my favorite one. It's just a great venue. It's a relatively flat course, uh, well-supported. Uh, And I just I like Chicago and I like to go out and and have a few beers in various places in Chicago after a race. Um, But I and and I have a a love-hate relationship with the Penhody uh, 100. I did DNF that one year, but I I finished it uh, four times. And it's just a tough, tough uh, 100 miler, but uh, also just great. I think the fact that it's kind of my hometown 100 almost is uh, another reason I like it so much.
0: I think Pinhoti takes lots out of you. It, it did to me, but I'm not done with Pinhoti. So <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> well, um, let's uh, let's change uh, change the topic a little bit. Um, the, the main reason I really want to talk to you about this heart rate training that uh, you truly believe. Tell us about what is heart rate training. How does it work? Everything that you know of.
1: You know, it's pretty simple for me. Um, I learned about this from Phil Maffetone who uh you can look him up uh but he he he's been preaching this heart rate training for a long long time and he's come up with a formula for training and he calls it the math training which uh you know ironically is the first three letters of his name but it stands for maximum aerobic function I'm pretty sure that's right and and so he's got a formula uh 180 minus your age is your maximum aerobic function so that that corresponds to your heart rate that you should be targeting and not going over in your training and so like for me that you know at 47 that comes out to 133 so the idea would be that you would not you would you would do an extended amount of training where you made sure your heart rate didn't go over 133 or i would at my age uh and and you wouldn't do any speed work and um and and the idea is that when you go over that now just a little over it may not do it but you go much over that and you're going into uh anaerobic state and and his theory is that that compromises your ability to develop your aerobic system so when i ran my first um sub 3 marathon i had just started playing with that and um and and I, and I think that was one of the reasons I was able to do it. And then I hit a few new PRs and a few more without doing any speed work. I mean, the only speed work I was doing for the last, like, uh, I'd say three years of my uh, uh, running career was races. And I, I didn't do a whole lot of races. But, you know, if I do a 5K or a 10-mile race or a marathon, that would be the fastest I would run. And And when I was – so a sub-three hours is like a six – I think 6.45 – ish is the fastest I've run that that, I think that corresponds to a 257 marathon somewhere in there 652 pace would be right at three hours and in my training I rarely ever ran that fast I usually that uh, math uh, uh, heart rate would put me somewhere close to seven minutes maybe a little bit over if I was feeling good if I wasn't worn out from something else and so it it worked well for me I it may have added a couple of years to my running because I do think that uh, speed work uh, puts wear and tear on your body you know, more than just making you tired.
0: For you, whatever you described here, you definitely wear a heart rate monitor, correct? Yep, I sure did. So you, you continue to check the heart rate monitor. How does that work?
1: Well, I uh, I got a Garmin strap and a Garmin watch that picked up the signal from that, and um, and so that's how I monitored my heart rate. I've still got that. I use it on the bike. But the, the thing with biking is seems like the uh, testosterone gets flowing a lot more on the bike rides and people like charging up the hills. And I've decided that, you know, I, I'm i doing the biking more because I'm really just enjoying it. So I, I'll only do the heart rate uh, if I'm going on a ride by myself and I just want it to be an easy ride and I'll use that. So I'm not closely following that method right now for the bike just because I'm like I said, I'm just biking to have fun. I don't, I'm not not worried about being competitive or anything.
0: At the beginning, I I used a hard-rate um, monitor that came with the Garmin, and I kind of have thrown away um, because sometimes I felt like it wasn't accurate. How accurate are they? You know, I
1: I had issues with the accuracy of the first strap that I had, and I got a new strap, and it worked a lot better. I'm finding it to be a lot more accurate on the bike. And I think uh, one reason might be just because you're not bouncing up and down as much. And I think that sometimes can affect it. I know that when I've gotten extremely sweaty and it's bouncing around, uh, you know, even if it's really tight, it still is moving. And I think that that sometimes uh, can affect it. I remember at one time I was thinking that it wasn't getting a good enough connection and I put body glide where the strap was thinking that that would help. And I think it screwed it up, actually.
0: I think nowadays it also comes with a, a Bluetooth uh, connectivity. And that's what my Ambit, Ambit 3, uh, Suntos Ambit has it. I, I haven't bought it. I'm, I'm thinking about getting it one for my this fall training. So
1: I've heard about uh, somebody has one and I can't remember who, that it's just on, it's just on your wrist and you don't have to put a strap around your uh, chest. And I'm so I, I don't know if that works better, but that's kind of intriguing. I think if I was still running, I might be looking for one of those.
0: The Fitbit, they use it on your wrist. Um, again, I'm not sure how accurate they are.
1: I think just importantly for me is the heart rate training is something else that uh, Phil Maffetone talks about, and that's fat adaptation. And I don't know if that's something you know for another uh, interview or podcast, but I, that's I think that's been one of the keys for me and being able to run faster
0: yeah we we can talk about that a little if you want to talk about it yeah
1: well and so you know the idea is uh that runners and and athletes who are just consuming an awful lot of sugar train their bodies to need that for energy during their event and that if you cut back on on the processed carbs and the sugar you're teaching your body to use fat as fuel And it just makes you a much more steady runner. And I think uh, I I noticed that I didn't, like, if I was hitting the wall towards the end of a race, it didn't happen all at once. It was very gradual. And so I I think that that's, I won't go into all the details because you could talk forever about, you know, diet. But uh, I I definitely felt like that was important. And, And I think one thing that I've been consistent on with that, Is Just not eating before I train and just going just with water on most of my training runs and I do the same thing on my bike I go as long as I can without uh, Consuming any calories and it just forces your body to use what you got already uh, To go a long distance rather than depending on having that supplemental energy uh, going in Um, so even if you do eat, uh, you know, carbs and sugar during a day, I think you can get a little bit of fat adaptation just by training that way. I used to think that I remember when I was uh, coaching team and training and a lot of new marathoners, I, I knew that that was a concept. And I would tell people then that that was probably more of an advanced uh, training method. But now I think, uh, you know, it, it's all relative. If you're going for your your new longest run, I think it might not be a bad idea. Uh, to have something to supplement with, you know, near the end of it to get you those extra few miles that you've never done before. But I think uh, I think all runners, new runners and veteran runners, would do well to uh, to train most of their miles uh, without nutrition. I think water, you know, is
0: plenty. Yeah, I definitely do that for sure. I think uh, whether I listen to you or somehow I just adopted this, but I've been doing this for a long time. The whole idea is to um, during the training, I just use purely water, and during the race, uh, I actually drink and eat. So eventually, I switched to only water, even in my ultra ultra distance races. Well, here's something. Uh,
1: well, it sounds like you may have already done this, but uh, I've had success marathon and hundreds of waiting at least 45 minutes and maybe an hour before I started taking in the Gatorade. So the first 45 minutes, I just drink water. And I think what that does is it kind of sets the ratio that your body's going to use fat versus glycogen. And, you know, if you've been training the way you said, then your ratio is already set pretty heavily on fat. But I think that uh, by eating breakfast before a race, you can affect that ratio just a little bit because it may say, oh, so we're going to use this stuff today. I I think that it it is actually better to... uh, uh to wait until you're into the race and your body's yeah. kind of set that ratio. That's yes. my theory anyway.
0: Sometimes I uh, especially in trail races I try to ask an aid station to give me 50-50, Gatorade right, Tailwind and 50% of water so.
1: Yeah, do you know you know who, uh, Jerry McGuinn is, bearded runner. He's yeah. he's yeah. kind of a legend for a while. I remember um when he did his first ultra, he and I were talking about it a little bit. And and he was asking advice like, I mean, he's a lot, a lot faster than me. So I was honored that he asked me. But I, I, I gave him a couple of points. I said, well, you know, in the ultras, you're probably going to have to eat a little bit. and I know you're not accustomed to doing that. And you're probably going to have to drink a little bit more. And I know you're not accustomed to doing that. There were a few other things I told him that he followed, but those he ignored. And he still came in like fourth or fifth place at the, um, what mm-hmm. is the 40 mile road uh, race up in Tennessee. That's it. Yeah, that's the one. That was his first ultra. He he did really well. And he said he drank probably about 20 ounces of water the whole way. And it was a hot day. And I asked him, how on earth could you do that? And he said, well, I do all my hydrating in the days leading up to the race. And then when I show up on race day, I'm well hydrated. And I've, I've always remembered that. And, and it's saved me a lot of trouble because i I used to be like these people that the morning of the race, you're chugging water if it's hot. Well, the vast majority of that water goes right through you, and then you just got to pee while you're out running, you know, before the run and during the run. And I have gotten to where, yeah, I mean, I focus more on the few days before the race, and I think that hydration is something that happens over a period of time. It doesn't happen with you just chugging two glasses of water because you only retain a little bit of what you drink. And so if you're retaining a little bit at a time over several days, that's more effective than trying to do it last minute so most of my races, I go up with a little bit of a parched mouth, just because I, I drink a couple of cups of coffee and maybe just a couple of little sips of water, and then I just start drinking as soon as I get hot. And so that that's one thing that I've taken away is is uh, you know hydrating in advance, not not the day of.
0: Let's do some uh, quick question question answer sprint round. I call it. What kind of shoes do you recommend, or do you wear
1: running shoes? I assume, right? Yeah, running shoes. I'm
0: sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah. I I mean I. I'm a proponent of having two or three different brands that you're swapping out all the time. My theory is that uh, if you wear the same brand all the time, if there's something wrong with it, even though they're comfortable, you're going to get that whatever it is every time you run. But if you're swapping out shoes, you know, uh, all the time, I think uh, that's probably better for you. So um, I guess uh, uh, Pearl Izumi was my most recent uh, favorite uh, shoe, Brooks. Was my favorite for a while, and um, and I did Hoka's uh, for a, for a while. So those are those are some brands that I like.
0: I rotate around all brands now, you know, Nike to Hoka to uh, Montreal is my recent addition to to my shoes that I wear. So
1: yeah, I I, I went through uh, a period where that was my favorite trail shoe was the Montreal uh, Hard
0: Rock, I think. No, no. And they don't they don't make it anymore. Uh, GPS device. What kind of GPS device do you use? Um, Garmin. Is, do you have do you still use any any kind of training plans other than what we talked? Since I've not been running uh, hardly at
1: all, I've picked up about uh, twenty pounds, and so right now I'm just more focused on getting enough exercise to try to keep the weight off. So my uh, my training plan is more focused on just trying to get about an hour's worth of exercise every day. So like today, I did about a one-hour bike ride, so I wouldn't do anything else. But I'm also lifting weights uh, once or twice a week, and if that only takes me 30 minutes, I'll do about you know 30 minutes of yard work in the afternoon or take a walk. Um, once or twice a week, I do walk for a half hour to an hour. And I'm trying almost once a week to swim, but it's so boring, I don't go more than 30 minutes. So if I do that, I'll try to do something else in the afternoon.
0: How do you get inspired for all this activity you do? Well, the biking is a
1: lot of fun. Uh, when I was training for the Ironman, uh, I did not enjoy the swimming. I think towards the end, I realized that when I was getting up to an hour swim, I realized that 30 minutes was tolerable. And it was probably good for me to try to keep that up just a little bit. So I kind of enjoy the swimming. If I don't do it too frequently, it's kind of meditative. Um the biking, like I said, I fell in love with that. And so I just really like going out biking, I like going out on the country roads in Alabama. I enjoy, you know, biking with other people. Um, but I, as far as inspiration, I would say I, I, it, there's nothing I'm doing to, ins- to try to inspire myself. It's more I just over the years got in the habit of exercising on a regular basis. So it's easy to keep it up.
0: Before we finish our interview, what kind of word of advice you have?
1: I'm going to give you kind of a couple of answers here. As you know, I've uh, been a team and training coach for years, and we don't really have active chapter in Alabama right now. So I, I frequently deal with new runners and people right off the couch. And my main piece of advice for them is consistency. And I was talking to a lady a couple of weeks ago, who has gone through a couple of different cancer treatments. And the most recent one was a brain cancer that she had removed. And now she's inspired to run a half marathon for team In training. And I told her what I wanted her to do. She was looking for advice on what to do in a couple of months leading up to the regular training program for a half marathon. I said, walk 30 minutes a day. Don't worry how fast you're walking. Just do it consistently. Try not to take more than one day off. A week, unless there's something really wrong. So consistency, I think, is is one of the biggest and best pieces of advice I would give. And I think that applies to uh, both newcomers and veteran runners. And then for somebody looking to break three hours, I, I think, you know, just uh, keep at it, don't give up, but also respect downtime. And and I, and I now think of uh, Dink Taylor up in Huntsville. And I think he ran sub three hour marathons for something like 30 years straight. And I asked him what, what his secret was. And he said, since he's owned the Fleet Feet store and, and directed a couple of races, you know, the Rocket City Marathon in December and then um, the Mountain Mist, uh, that he has about two full months from Christmas shopping season through Mountain Mist where he doesn't run hardly at all. And then starting in uh, late January, early February, he kind of spends about six to eight weeks ramping back up. And he thinks that that, uh, that extended time off does his body a lot of good. So I think that's probably some advice that I would give somebody that's, you know, right on the cusp of breaking three and worried about, you know, getting out of shape during an off season. I would say, let yourself get a little out of shape and come back. It's good for you. You need it. And And I think if I had had done a little bit more of that, who knows, maybe my knees would have held up a little bit longer.
0: I have myself needed that advice. Thanks for talking to us. We need more conversation like this coming up maybe in the fall.
1: Sumon, I'm I'm flattered that you uh, wanted to ask my opinion.